Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, saints and ain'ts, welcome to another Unplugged Service JBLM podcast. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by loving God, loving people, fostering connection, and cultivating community. My name is Chaplain Kevin L. Betton Jr. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate our podcast, review it, and please give us five stars. If you give us four stars, I am inclined to believe that you are a hater and the altar is open for you. And with no further delay, today's message comes from yours truly, Chaplain Kevin Betton Jr. Amen. How's everybody feeling today? I'm going to go Jackson, South Carolina, uh, for six months. Uh, I'll be here for a while. We leave on the 20th. I leave on the 27th. Uh, but next Sunday is uh, next Sunday is the 18th, right? All right. So the 18th, that is my wife's birthday. So we're going to be um, going out and celebrating our anniversaries on the 17th. Our her birthday's on the 18th. So y'all know what that means, right? I'm broke. Don't ask me for no money. Christmas is coming up. I'm broke. All right. So don't let that. You know, I'm trying to. You know, anyway, I tell y'all all about this. Uh, but I'll be leaving on the 27th, and I have put in. Um, stabilization uh, paperwork to try to come back here so that my daughter Kendall can, um, you know, use the remaining time or stay here throughout the tenure of her high school, um, you know, the rest of her high school, I'm about to say career, like shit, <laughs> she ain't got a job yet, um, but no, but, um, so, and actually that was Chapman Stewart, it was her fault, um, so she preached a while ago, yeah, she preached a while ago about honoring their children, and, and I was convicted by it, and I said, you know, God, we make all these plans as parents sometimes without thinking about our children and what they want. So I went home, or we went home, and had a conversation with our daughter and just said, hey, what do you want to do? Do you want to remain here um, for the rest of your high school tenure? And she said, yes. And so I put the paperwork in, and so we've already turned it in, and we're praying that the Lord's will would be done. My heart is fixed and settled. If God says, hey, remain, then we'll come back here. We'll continue to serve on the leadership team here and, and whatever God uh, allows for us to do. And if not, then we'll go to the next duty station and do God's work there. But my heart is settled, so pray that God's will be done. Um, selfish part of me would love to come back here and everything like that, but I, I, I believe that the safest place in the world is in the will of God. So yes, sir. I'm where he wants yeah. to be, not where I want to be. Somebody say amen. 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 So, uh, you know, thank God for just being here today, for the leadership team, for everybody that's here today, for all the hugs and the smiles and the well wishes. We are, are so grateful for that, and we'll do more of that at the end of the service. Ever God ever give you a word that you're, like, really excited about? And I'm like, good, thank you, Lord, so I can focus on something other than, you know, doing it. So let's go ahead and turn to our Bibles um, today. We're going to preach uh, um, today, um, and we pray and believe, God, that this word of God is going to bless you. If you would, we only got a, a couple of verses. Would you stand with me um, out of reverence to the word of God? Thank God for my wife. She's in the back. Uh, Celeste has just been amazing. Um, we'll say more about her at the end of service as well. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into God's word. So um, Paul is uh, preaching to the church or writing this letter to the church at Rome. Uh, give more of that in the introduction. But he says these words in Romans, the fifth chapter, the first through the eleventh verse, and reading in the Christian Standard Bible. So he says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith. So anytime you see the word therefore in the scripture, you need to find out what it's there for. Everybody get it? You see what we did here, right? All right. So in chapter four, he had made the argument that Abraham was justified by faith, not by works. 
And so he says, therefore, since we have already found out that we are justified by faith, not by works. He says, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God. So what is the opposite of peace? War, conflict, absolutely. So we have peace with God now through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also, not only peace, but we have obtained access. Somebody say access. Access, access through him, by Jesus, by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, we don't just rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us. Thank you, God. Because God's love has been not dripped, but poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So rich. For while we were helpless. Man, I don't see how we read this sometimes and just gloss over it. For while we were helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely, he says, will someone die for a just person. Even if you're a just person, somebody might die for you. But for, for, though, for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us. I told you we're going to be talking about love all day. God proves his own love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then? If that's what his death did, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. For if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more then, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? If his death blessed us this much, how much more now will his life do? And he says, and not only that, my final verse, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Please have your seats. We're going to preach to you today from the message, the greatest love story ever told. Turn to your neighbor, just tell somebody, say the greatest love story ever told. We will hear about it today. Father, bless your word today. Bless your people. May this spur us and cause us, Lord God, to respond to your word with change life before you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week uh, was a really interesting week. I got a phone call from a friend of mine. I hope she's watching and we'll talk about it. Uh, her name is Lakeitha. She's a really good friend of my wife's and I. And she's reading through the Old Testament, uh, bro. And she says, hey, and she calls me up and she says, chap, you got to help me out. What's up with these people, Sergeant Major? She's like, what is up with these Israelites? Every time God does something good for them, they keep messing up. And she was like legit frustrated. Have you ever read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, and be like, why do they keep serving idols? God just punished them. He just jacked them up last week, and now they're going back and doing the same thing. And she was legit confused and, and needed some help understanding why it was that after everything God had did for the Israelites, he brings them up out of Egypt, takes them through the wilderness, slays and kills all of their enemies in the Red Sea, parts the waters, and they walk over on dry land. They're in the wilderness for 40 years, and the Bible said that their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes did not wear out. He gave them manna from heaven. He gave them water out of the rock. After everything God did in killing their enemies, it just seemed like every time the Israelites got a chance, they went back into their own ways, serving idol gods, and doing what they wanted to do. And so I understood her frustration, but I said, you know what, we got to be careful because some of us can be like that too. Some of us can be like that in the same way that no matter how much God loves us, Rondell, no matter what he does for us, he can bless us, he can make sure that we have homes to live in, multiple cars to drive, he 
to do what we want to do and not what God wants us to do. So I said, let's be careful that we don't look so crazy at the Israelites, but thinking that we got it all together. So the goal, the goal of this message today is to demonstrate two things, really, there. It's number one, to talk about the utter depravity of man and our incapability to obey God in our own. No matter how much we try in our own strength, no matter how much effort we give, Eric, we can't obey God in our own strength. And the Bible proves that to us. Number two, we want to talk about the unconditional, unfailing, and overwhelming love of God. And the challenge that we have today, Doug, is that we want to understand the love of God, but he says this, Paul says this in Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I thought this was so appropriate. He says, I pray this, I think it's up on the screen. He says, I pray that you, watch what he says, being rooted and firmly established in love. He says, since you've been established in love, I want and I'm praying that you will comprehend, that you will understand with all the saints what is the length what is the width, what is the height, and what is the depth of God's love? Now, it would be good if he just said it right there. And he says, watch this, to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. How am I supposed to understand something that surpasses knowledge? Does that make sense to anybody but me? He says, I want you to understand something that is ununderstandable. Is that a word? Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? It's, it's something that is, there's no way that we can understand it, but he says, I'm praying that you will get this. So the problem with the challenge that we have in understanding the love of God, number one, is that there is no comparison to it. I don't care how good somebody has loved you in your life. There is nothing, your parents, your spouse, your siblings, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, who they hopefully not both of them at the same time. But it doesn't matter how good that love is, it cannot compare to the love of God. Somebody say amen. amen. They can love us, but their love is still, it will still disappoint. It's not perfect. Number two is that every other love is flawed. The love of my wife, I love Celeste, she loves me really, really good, Joe, but even her love is flawed. My love definitely is flawed. It doesn't matter who your parents, as much as they love us and would die for us, many of them, their love is not perfect. And so we struggle to, to understand love of God because there's nothing on earth like it. And so when we come into church, I understand the frustration sometimes, Andrea, because it's like we hear the preacher talking, but the only example I have of love is from people that let me down. Can I get a witness that they told me they loved me and they loved me good for a while, but then after a while I got disappointed. So all of my life, Dante, I've had love after love after love, but sooner or later that person is going to disappoint me. They're going to show their humanity, and now you're telling me that there is this love that is perfect. And this is why I love God, because God's love, this is what the young people will say, it hits different. Come on now. God's love, it does. It, the Bible says he's built different. And I, and I want from now on that this word would not, would not scare you, that it wouldn't seem so deep and theological. But God, his love is perfect because he is holy. Mm -hmm. Somebody say holy. holy. Say, say it like you mean to say holy. Oh. So the old school folks meant holiness was the clothes that you wear and you know what, what you didn't go to the movies and you didn't gamble. That's that's not holiness. Holiness is inherent perfection. It means that God is incapable of sin. Mm -hmm. And no matter what happens in our life, no matter what we do, God is holy, meaning he cannot sin. There is no flaw. There is no error. There is no 
it's different. And I love this quote, Jackie Hill Perry, one of my favorite theologians. She says, if God is holy, then he can't sin. And if he can't sin, Alba, he can't sin against me. Yes. And if he can't sin against me, then that makes him the most trustworthy person there is. Amen. That's all holiness really means. You can clap right there. That's your cue. Yeah, that's your cue. Somebody else may let us down. Somebody else may disappoint us. But because God is holy, everything he allows in my life is perfect. I might not understand it, I might not like it, I might not agree with it, but if he says go to Fort Drum, he's holy and he's perfect. Ooh. And there's a plan that says go there. I hope God that that's I'm really hoping that I That's some good but faith. If he says go, I would rather be in the fire with God than out of the fire without him. Mm. I'll never forget the day that I, uh, I was pursuing the chaplaincy road and chaplain candidate right there. I was pursuing this and, 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 uh, and they, they were talking about going to Korea. President Trump, I can say it now, he ain't, you know, a former president. He, he crazy. <laughs> and he, he, was, he, he was talking about nuclear warfare on Twitter. And we were prepping to go to North Korea. And I was scared out of my mind, Captain Pierce. I'm not going to lie to you. And I, I remember telling God in service, I was like, look, somebody else can go do that. I'm not, you know, I, I've been to war twice. I, put, I got my combat strikes. Somebody else can do that. And God, never forget the conviction that God hit me with, like, punched me right in the chest like Kevin Hart said. Hit him with your, he said, why should I make you a chaplain if you won't go where you're most needed? Why should I give you a master's degree, have the army pay for it, if you don't want to go where soldiers are going to need somebody that can point them to God? Why should I make you a chaplain if you want to stay back in the rear of the garrison during safety? Oh my God. I would rather be in deployment at war with God's presence there than stay back home in the garrison and get in an accident because I'm running off and I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Uh -huh. I want to be where God's presence is. So my purpose today is to share with you the greatest love story that's ever been told. It is to educate each and every one of us about the biblical understanding of the love of God. To educate, to exhort to respond to the love of God, not just to hear about it and to walk away and say, man, chapter that showed up, preach today, we showed up, had good church, but can we respond to the love of God after we learn about it? And then last of all, to equip us to share God's love with somebody else. How can we have the greatest love, but we're selfish with it and don't share it with people who really need it? So a little bit of background, the, the book of Romans that we're talking about and reading from, it was written by Paul to non-Jewish Christians. They call them Gentiles. Anytime you see the word Gentile, that means it's somebody that's non-Jewish. So he writes to these Gentile Christians that are living in Rome. And Rome at this time was the economic and political capital of the world. And so throughout the entire book of Romans, Paul is making a theological argument about how unrighteous sinners are but how and how they can receive right standing before God. So the key word in Romans, I want you to say this with me, the key word is righteousness. Somebody shout out righteousness. Righteousness. All throughout Romans, that's probably good, all throughout Romans, you're going to see the word righteousness. And so he says all throughout this, I want to let you know that we are unrighteous before God. All of us are sinners. Romans 3 and 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The key verse in Romans is uh, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, no matter who you are, whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you're Greek, whether you're male or female, somebody say the gospel is for everybody. 
everybody. The gospel is for everybody. It's good news for everybody. So in chapters one through three, Paul details that no matter whether we are Jews or Gentiles, all of us are in need of God's righteousness. Doesn't matter who you are, male, female, everybody needs God because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he says, hey, look, and, and this is one of the, the issues. Let me take my time to slow down here and y'all get mad. It's my last time preaching, so you'll be good. Uh, and he says, uh, one of the hardest things and why it's difficult for us to really understand salvation sometimes is that we think that we're better than we really are. We think that we are not as bad as we really are before God. But Paul says, no, no, no. All of us are sinners and in need of God's grace. So before I get to the good stuff, I need to give you an accurate picture of how God sees us without Jesus. I got to give you an accurate picture. So he says, essentially, many of y'all have heard me say this before, without God, we are naughty by naughty by nature. He says, without God, it is in our nature to sin. We don't sin because we're sinners. We sin because we're sinners, and he's letting us know that. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so he builds an argument that says that we're guilty before God. That's our condemnation. But in chapters 4 and 5, he begins to tell us about justification. And this is where it gets good right here, Rondell. He says, therefore, it was credited to him for righteousness. It will be credited to us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Justification sounds like a big word, but all it really means is two things, not guilty. Somebody say, not guilty. Not guilty. So all of us beforehand were sinners in need of God's grace, but then justification, because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, justification says, now we don't have that old sinful nature anymore. Now we have the righteousness of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, this is why justification is really good. Justification, when you go to court, they have this thing um, where they put the charges of the arraignment. Mm -hmm. And they bring up the charges and say, uh, Kevin did this. Kevin got Article 15. Kevin's been through divorce. Kevin messed up and did all of these things. And guess what? It would be true. But justification says it doesn't matter what the charges are against you, you're still not guilty because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. I love that. They ain't getting This is why I love it because the devil can go to God with the truth about what you did and God still say you're not guilty. Come on, somebody say amen. It's not that I know he's the father of lies, but is there anybody in here that can say sometimes that sometimes when the devil accused us before God, all of that stuff wasn't false? Some of that stuff, sometimes a lot of that stuff, oh yeah, that was me, I did that. I'm the one that messed up, but guess what? It doesn't matter that it's true. Even though all of my sins are true, God still says not guilty. Somebody say amen. So he says he wants to explain these things. Now, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the matter. Point number one, let's go to the scripture of Romans 5, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Point number one is that the purpose of love. He gives us, Paul gives us the purpose of love. And the first one is, he says that we've got to have peace with God. To truly understand that God's love, it is vital that we understand and comprehend that God did not have to send his love down. I know we jam real good to that song, your love came down. But guess what? God didn't have to send his love down. He could have sent his wrath down. He could have sent his condemnation down. He could have sent 
doing so. Because all of us have sinned and what? Fallen short of God's glory. So Paul says here, you've got to understand that Jesus' death on the cross, it gives us peace with God. Because the wages of sin is death. Somebody say the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. So realistically, God could have gave, if he gave us what we deserve, he would have given us death. Is there anybody in here that's glad today that when God came down, what he sent down was not his condemnation, but he sent his love down instead? Is there anybody that can clap their hands and swear to Jesus' love took us from hostility to tranquility. Mm. He says there's no more hostility between us. Now there is tranquility. From condemnation to justification. From death to life. From war with God to peace with God. Aren't you glad that you ain't at war with God no more? Because guess what? You can't box with God. I don't, I don't know what y'all was thinking. I don't know what we're thinking. But we can't box with God. But thank you, God, for the love of Jesus Christ that gives us peace with God. So, I want to say this for you. Christians are not sick people who need a doctor. We are people who are dead in our sins and trespasses and need a Savior that will take us from death to life. I know we mean well when we say that the church is the hospital, but really what the church is is the birthing out place for people that were dead that need to be made alive in our sins. We are not good people that just need to be improved. We are dead people that needed a resurrection. We've got to understand who we are. So I love this. He says in point number two, the B, and he gives us access into grace. We were, our sins, Eric, they separated us from God. Where there was no more intimate communion with him. There was no relationship there was anymore. Sin cut that off way back in the Garden of Eden. But Christ's death removed the separation. And it wasn't so that we could get into God. It was so that God could get to us. Somebody say, hallelujah. When the veil in the temple was rent into Jessica, it didn't say that we the people went in. It said God's presence came out. A lot of times we can uh, uh, mistakenly think that Christianity is about our attempts to get back to God. And if nothing can be further from the truth. It's about God's attempt and his success in getting to us. He hated the separation and he wanted us to spend eternal life with him. So number one, there is the purpose of love. Number two, there is the perseverance of love. I love this. He says, we boast. We boast, Scripture says, in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, he says we boast in our afflictions. We boast because our afflictions give us endurance. Endurance gives us character. Character gives us hope. Paul expresses that receiving peace with God gives us access to grace that we can boast about and brag about the hope of the glory of God. Hope is our confident expectation that God will do exactly what he said that he would do. Now, glory of God, we already said that God is holy. Say it one more time. Say, God is holy. holy. Now, when God's holiness goes out, when his goodness, when his peace, when his joy, when his wonderful, all of that, when it goes out, we feel that that is God's glory. Mm. So Paul says we have the hope of the glory of God, and because we have this, he says we rejoice in afflictions. Watch this. I want to go to this, and I hope this will, this will ring for you. Paul says, go to a, a, a Colossians 3 and 15, that verse. He says, uh, um, put it up on, uh, take, take your time. Colossians.
Colossians 3 and 15, uh, the, the peace of God ruling in our hearts. In Colossians 3 and 15, it says, there it is. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule right there, Kyla, is where we get the word umpire from. It's where we get the word umpire. So he says, let the peace of God be the umpire in your heart. Is there anybody in here that can testify like me? All week long, Kevin, I've been thinking about how many times I should have swung and missed. And how many times God sent his love and I tried to get it and I missed the bet. But God said, it doesn't matter how many times you swing and miss, you're still in the game because I'm the umpire and you're always pulling the game in your favor. Man, y'all ain't got it like I'm preaching it. He says, it doesn't matter how many times you miss and swing. He says, I'm the umpire, you're still at that. Come on. I messed up so many times, Captain McPherson. No way in the world they should have put a cross on my chest. No way in the world I should probably still be in the um, it still be a chaplain or even be in the umpire and be in the army. But God says, I'm your umpire. It doesn't matter what man said, you still have that. I'm the umpire in your life. Doesn't matter. So God's love, it will persevere. It will keep going. It will keep fighting. It will keep strengthening us in every circumstance, in every heartache, in every sleepless night, every headache, everything that we go through. He says all of it will work out for good because we have a Christian privilege. We have Christian privilege. Then it doesn't matter how many times, Charles, I fall short. The umpire says, I'm still in the game. Still in the game. He says, it is the perseverance of the love of God. And then number three, this is where I almost couldn't finish the study in the message last night. Number three is the perfection of love. The perfection of love, Alexia. He says, Paul says, we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. And watch what he says right here in verse five. He says, this hope doesn't disappoint. Mm. I'm going to read that again. He said, this hope will not disappoint us. How many people are grateful today that the hope that we have in God, I ain't ever got to worry about God failing. He will always come through and be grateful for that. Come on, put your hands It is impossible for God's love to disappoint us. God's love is perfect because he is perfect. Perfection is not found in what we receive. It is found in who we receive. Perfection is not found in the things that we get from God. It is found in receiving him, not what we get from him. So if we're looking for God's love, if we're looking for his joy, his peace, his goodness, if we're looking for that in anything else other than Jesus Christ, then we're missing the greatest gift that he died to give us. We gotta stop. We have to sometimes stop looking for the present and realize that he's seeking his presence. It's not the Christmas presents that are under the tree that we celebrate. It's that his presence came down Mm -hmm. and dwelt among us. Yes, sir. I'm celebrating. I'm happy in my soul, not just during this season, but I'm grateful for eternal life. Not because he gave me presents, because he made me articulate, because he made somebody good looking, because he gave me a car. That's not why I celebrate. I celebrate because he gave us himself. He gave us himself. And then this is what I love. He says, he says, there is the great down payment. He says that God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and 22 says, he has also put his seal on us. Yes. Back in those days, you know, uh, he says, they would, if you belong to someone, they sealed you. And they would put that seal on and say, hey, hey 
person belongs to me. Mm-hmm. Not only did God seal us, but the Bible says he has given us the spirit in our hearts as a down payment. Now, we got rich people in here, like Chaplain Stewart. You know, when you go to the bank and everything like that, and you want to buy a car or you want to buy a house, they're going to ask you for what? Down payment. A down payment, unless you got good credit, like Chaplain Stewart, and you just, you know, you go on. But you understand what I'm saying? He says, the Holy Spirit is a down payment on what's to come. Amen. Think about that for a minute. There is so much to God that he's given us his very spirit. Yeah, yeah. And he says, not only that, that's just a down payment My God. on what's to come. Come on now, sir. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me try this again. He built the entire world in how many days? Seven. Six. 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 <laughs> if he made the whole world six. in six, six days, now watch this, Seven. he's been born 2,000 years. If he made the world in six days, and the Bible says, he says, where I go, I go to prepare a place for you. He's had 2,000 years to prepare something for us when everything we see he made in six days. What we have received from God is just a down payment on what he has to come. Yeah. Followed later by the arrival of 
raising the dead. He reduces prison populations by changing lives and reconciles enemies to him by his message. He says, finally, if I could look in horror as your incredible baby grows up and he's murdered by his foes, and then three days later I see him walking around, he says, yes, then I would believe that your baby is a son of God. I still love you. 
not that God does love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Bible says he is yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah. He is love. He is goodness. He is joy. He is peace. So if I get him, I have everything that I need. Mm -hmm. Stand to you. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your great love towards us. You are the greatest love story that's ever been told. Would you bow your heads with me? You're here today. Nothing, forget me, would make God happier than for you to truly understand the love of God. To truly comprehend the length, the width, the breadth, the height, the depth of how far God will go because he loves you. If he gave his son when we were sinners, when we were his enemies, what won't he do for us now that we are his sons and daughters? If you loved us, then I, I, I don't understand it, but I'm grateful. If you loved us that much while we were your enemies, how much more, as the song kind of said, how much more you dress the lilies of the field, if you clothe them, how much more will you take care of us? How much more will you meet them? How much more does he love us? It's the greatest love story that's ever been told. God, your love is perfect. Your love will not disappoint. He won't fail. So today, if you're here, if you're here, you have not been introduced. You've been introduced to the love of God, but you haven't responded to the love of God. The Bible says in, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that all we have to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If we do that, then the Bible says that we're saved. When everything else comes after that, cleaning up, God will sanctify us. He'll help us to do better. He'll help us to improve. But the first thing he says is dead people got to come to life. If you're here on today and you hear the word of God, thank you, Holy Spirit, divine, harden not your heart. Don't think that you have time. Don't wait and miss the opportunity to respond to the love of God. If you're here on today and you say, Betty, I'm on a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you're here on today. Would you just lift your hands? And we will call you up to the front unless you want to come for prayer. Just lift your hands and we will pray with you. We'll meet with you. We'll get with you. And we'll demonstrate and disciple and tell you more about the love of Christ. I see one. Will there be another that will take the opportunity to respond to the love of God? Not the presence, but the presence. You're here on today. And you say, I'm saved, but there's some things in me that I, I need prayer for. If you're here on today and you say, I, I need a little bit more, I need to surrender a little bit more to God. God's got a lot of work that he needs to do in me, and I just want you to pray for me, man of God. If that's you today, would you just lift your hands all over the building? Would you just lift your hands and just say, hey, I want to do better. I want to have improved my relationship with God. I see you. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you. For the soul that wants to come, that has come to you today. And everybody, would you just repeat after me? Say, I believe. I believe. Come on, let's do it together. Say, I believe, I believe. that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Son of God. I, believe I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that three days later, he was resurrected from the grave. That all of my sins are paid for. 
And I dedicate my life to Jesus Christ today. If you prayed this prayer, it's not the words, it's the condition of our heart and our faith in Jesus Christ that the Bible says is where Paul is talking to the church at Rome, that we have now received the righteousness of God. Family, would you put your hands together for those that have given their life to Christ on today? Can we celebrate that we got a reason? Can we celebrate? Father, today we want to pray for those that are saved on today. And all of us, Lord God, are still in need of your grace. We're so grateful, Lord God, that you are, you're the umpire. That after time after time, when we missed time after time, when we fell short, when we did you wrong, you still kept us in the game. You didn't sit us on the bench, God. You didn't throw us out of the game. You didn't kick us off the team. But God, I thank you, God, that you are the umpire that said that you're still at that. And so today, God, we're going to swing again. Today, God, we're going to try again, but we're not going to try in our own strength. Today, God, we're going to surrender to you, and we're going to try with the help of the Holy Spirit. Today, God, we cast all of our cares upon you. Today, God, as the song said, all of our burdens, all of our cares, all of our pain, all of our struggle, today, God, we handle it no more. Today, we leave it here at the altar. Today, we leave it here at the service. Today, God, we cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us. And we vow, God, with the help of the Holy Spirit, not to pick it up again, God, but to know, to have the assurance, God, to have the perseverance that no matter how many times we might fall short, God, that you are always there because you keep every promise will never be forsaken. And for this, God, this great love that you have given unto us, Today we are grateful. And we lift our hands, our hearts, and our voices. And we say, thank God. Thank God. And amen. Thank Come on, family. Would you put your hands together? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.